One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. <laughs> You're not studying Shakespeare, you're studying his plays. But if you're studying his, his plays and being told he's the greatest playwright of all time, well, we should make sure we're getting that information right. It was ridiculous that we even still thought of Shakespeare as real. How could we? Strat or anti-strat? So that's strat. Best he's trying place. to be anti-strat, but he hasn't got really a leg to stand on that boy. The ones that are trying to be strat are making me think anti-strat thoughts. Andy Strat. If someone tuned into this episode after it, it'd be like completely un- incomprehensible. Some of the strats are making me think Andy Strat like. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? What you talking about? <laughs> Andy Strat man. Hello and welcome to Weird Tales and the Unexplainable. It's uh, it's good to be doing an episode again. My name's Beef. I'll be taking this one today, but with me as always are my co-hosts. Say hello, Mr. Bob Choi. Hello, Mr. Bob Choi. Say hello, Mr. Adventist. Hello, Mr. Bob Choi. <laughs> oh. oh dear. <laughs> How are you guys doing? We good? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I'm We've excited to be recording. Sprightly, hopefully. We're recording in the morning, which is something we never normally do. I don't think we've ever recorded in the morning before. Once, 12, what time is it now? Like 11, 11, yeah, 11. This is probably the earliest. This is the earliest we've ever recorded. Um, I think we've turned up at someone's house for 12 and probably started recording at 1, maybe 2. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so me and Beef are in Bristol visiting Tiss. Woo! What do you think of the house? We haven't spoken about. You haven't. You so, so you're waiting for us to be like live to listeners before we have to place judgment on your house. That puts me under pressure. But I will say, I really like it. Yeah, we actually it's spoke nice. right on the way here. Like, it's like we was expecting something like much worse or like much more bomb tiss. Yeah, but yeah. it's actually like a really normal, it's a normal house, like yeah, it? normal. It's lovely, sort of, clean. Yeah, clean. I'm not saying that in a mocking way. It is clean. Um, yeah. I just love that that's Lids, the first the first thing you d- use to describe it. It does train me well. Does Lids do all the cleaning? No, I do all the cleaning. Yeah, but you also told me you do all but. the cooking, and that's not what Lids told me last night. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't do all the cooking. I do some cooking. So you do the cooking while she it stands over like, your shoulder going, I see it, Adam, yeah. It sounds like she lets you chop a carrot while she does like, the rest of it. I, I do chop most of it, and then go off. But, <laughs> go off and play boxing no, yeah, and watch and Simpsons. <laughs> But when I did say to you I was enjoying cooking, I was cooking a lot. And now right. I'm work, back at work, I clean a lot more. <laughs> clean up after. Because Liz gets home earlier, she cooks before I even get a chance to get home and cook. Right. She's done 
the prep. Done. Yeah. So yeah, we're Perfect. at Tiss's. So we're over this. We're here for the weekend. We're going to record a load of episodes. And uh, good news for listeners: from now till Christmas, you're going to get regular content because we're recording it all now, and we're going to drop it sporadically. Well, no, not sporadically. No, actually. it's going to be regular, isn't it? Yeah, regimented releases from now till Christmas. Mega exciting. We've all three of us were saying last night how excited we are, and like, I just love recording and we've really missed doing it. So, so we, yeah, being we, able to do it regularly would be the dream again. It'd be great. So, hopefully, from next year, we're going to be regular again. We're going to be recording remotely, but we're working our ways to do it and it should be fine. Uh, for this weekend, we've planned one episode each, plus, we've got a discussion episode lined up. Uh, it's already in the bag, actually, if we're going to yeah. lift the curtain on that. Already done it. It's already in the bag, but it'll be up in a couple of weeks. So, yeah, you're going to get four episodes from now till Christmas once a fortnight. Should be. Perfect. Mm. Isn't ready. it worrying how close we are to Christmas, then, when you put it that way? Yeah, you put, like... With four episodes away from four Christmas. Four episodes of Christmas. Um, and then, probably January, there's not going to be anything. This is just us, like, speaking, thinking out loud. Um, but yeah. from, sort of, Feb, we should be regular again. So, next year... Weird Tales is going to be back on the rag. 2019 is the year back of Weird Tales, road. baby. We're going to do the big America tour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, you're dreaming again. No. Shall I crack on? Yeah, crack, crack on. on. So we've got a very special episode. Yeah, this is this has been something that we've been talking about for over two years now. Um, most of it tongue-in-cheek, uh, particularly from me. And a lot of it has been has been Tiss has been really excited about this. Well, Tiss has been deadly serious about it every time he's mentioned it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I've always been a bit tongue in cheek and and a bit quick to make judgments on it. But this this week, we're kind of doing a, a biographical historical look at William Shakespeare, or shall I say, Shakespeare. Yeah. So we're going to be looking at um, at the authenticity of his authorship. Um, did he write the plays that he wrote? No. Uh, all right, that's it. So next time on Weird Tales, <laughs> um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to straight off the bat um, kind of say that, because I think the idea was that Tiss really wanted to look at it, but didn't really mind. He's like, one of us needs to do this episode. And I we were thinking... He didn't want to plan it. No, he's like, well, I want to well, be on the I receiving end of it. I had already planned a lesson around it. Well, I didn't know that until I, I spoke to Rachel... Because we were kind of joking about it, and I never spoke to Rachel about it. And then, I don't know, maybe six months ago, we started talking about it again. And I mentioned it to Rachel, and she said, oh, yeah, I teach that as a lesson to um, to my class at school. To my classes at school. I'm like, oh, right. So well, we had an email from a listener. Yeah. That's when it reignited it. One of our, one of our listeners um, emailed us and said something like, you know, you, you joke about the Shakespeare, Shakespeare thing. There's actually, like, a lot to this. And I sort of forwarded it to you guys copy and paste it whatever and then it really sort of made us think maybe we could do like a full episode on this fake spirit it's always a bit of a joke it's a bit of a running joke for us but you know let's properly do this okay. yeah yeah it's I'm going to this might disappoint a few people but, but and, and largely because I've, I've taken material from Rachel so credit to Rachel Martin for some of the material I've taken yes um, thanks Rachel. listeners may remember from she basically hosted our Holocaust denial episode yeah uh, which was great. Like yeah. I really love that episode. Yeah, yeah, it's great. And then she was at the uh, campfire last year. Yes. So yeah, so thanks, Rach. Appreciate that. But she's obviously coming at it from a historical, evidence-based angle. Mm. So I know there is stuff out there which is secret society I'm stuff like at that. I'm coming at it from a truth angle. 
Okay, that's good, because hopefully this is what we're going to look at. Um, but I'm going to start off with a clip from QI. Um, it's QI, you don't really need to see it. Yeah, I know what Stephen Fry looks like. What does Sigmund Freud, Mark Twain, Henry James, a loony from Newcastle, and the Holy Ghost have in common? So, well, I, Mark Twain, I, could, I, I know, had a link, but I don't know about the others. And he's sceptical about Shakespeare because he thought that Toff wrote it. He didn't believe that a normal boy from yes, Stratford could write. Yes, right. Could write He properly. was what you might call exactly Shakespearean sceptic, as were the others. That's to say, Sigmund Freud also believed... Uh, that and, and Henry James and the Professor Looney, that was unfortunately his name, though I believe it was pronounced Looney from Newcastle, who wrote a book in 1920 called Shakespeare Identified. There was this whole movement, starting in the 19th century really, with the idea that it might have been Francis Bacon who wrote the works of Shakespeare. Mm. There was particularly a woman called Delia Bacon, who was an American and was completely insane really. She came over to England and wrote a 625-page book. God. In which she didn't even mention the name Bacon. And then when she died, she claimed she was the Holy Spirit. She claimed she was the Holy yes. Spirit? Yes. So the Holy Spirit, if she was right, also doesn't believe Shakespeare wrote Shakespeare. Uh, so if Bacon was one candidate, there were, there were two other main candidates. Um, so... Oh, hang on. No. What was it? <laughs> Marlowe. Christopher Marlowe. Christopher Marlowe is, is one candidate. They <laughs> oh, call... um... And the, but the most uh, popular Earl one, Oxford? the Earl of Oxford is the yes, uh, indeed Edward de Vere. Is that Edward de Vere? That's Edward de Vere. Wow, <laughs> there's, there's a lot that. going on there, isn't there? There is. Isn't <laughs> there? <laughs> How does he keep that hat on? <laughs> it's, it's sort of Kate Blanchett with a moustache. <laughs> <laughs> but no, there are serious people. I mean, Freud liked the fact that uh, he lost his father early on, like Hamlet, because it, of course he had an Oedipus complex theory about Hamlet. Freud, so he liked that idea. Who else? Looney invented a rather fanciful scenario because the Earl of Oxford died in 1604 and Shakespeare carried on writing plays many years after that. So well, That might almost be the point at which to abandon the theory. Yeah, you'd think. <laughs> Instead of which he claimed that before dying he'd left a whole sheaf of plays uh, and that his servant, Shakespeare, right. then just produced them one after the other. Isn't, uh, the, isn't the yeah. Tempest written sort of four or five years after he died, six years maybe even after he died, referencing sort of stuff of the time, so after De Vere's dead. Yes, quite. He probably it, it, just left, insert topical gag here. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, there, there are people, Mark Rylance and, and Derek Jacobi, both supreme actors, and they both believe that it was the Earl of Oxford. There isn't a shred of evidence, so as far as I can see. So it doesn't matter, to, on the basis that what Shakespeare means to people is the guy that wrote those yes. plays. And so if the guy that wrote those plays is a different guy that wrote those plays, that's, that's plays still, still, what a great yeah. guy. Yes. <laughs> it's not an earth-shattering uh, conspiracy, really, is it? That it no. it isn't him. Over 5,000 books on the subject, uh, incredibly. Yeah, I know, it's extraordinary. Oh, yeah, no scrap of evidence. Not yeah. real evidence, to be honest. No, it's just speculation. And, and the odd thing is, they often say, well, we know so little about Shakespeare. There are very, very few people of the Elizabethan era about whom we know more. I mean, ben Jonson, for example, who was a very famous playwright, we don't even know where Ben Jonson was born or how many children he had. If other people were writing the plays, why didn't they say so at the time? Well, quite. I mean, it's... That's the... I don't understand. It always seems like he didn't write all that. But wouldn't it have come out if other people had... Yeah, but if it was Ben Johnson or yeah. any of those others, yeah. jolly good luck to them, I say. Was it just because he wasn't posh? Was that? Is it just come? Does it that come down to basic classes? It's kind of snobbery. Classes? They think well, yeah. he was just this kid from Warwickshire and he was a woodlander, and you know. But in fact, 
His father was a glover, which is a perfectly decent trade, as you say, and he w went to the grammar school there, almost certainly. And he so <laughs> sort of, you'd think, exactly as far up the society as you'd expect a major writer to be. Yes. Not, you know, you, it's not like now the best novels are written by the Duke of Westminster. No. <laughs> <laughs> now, his vocabulary. How many words do you think he used? I'm not counting repeats. The, he used a lot, obviously. Yeah. Oh, uh, Dagger, uh, yeah. murder. This could take us wow. a long time, yes. Well, we've got to start somewhere. You've got to start somewhere, you're right. Yeah. 5,000. Yeah. They're 20,000 words. 20,000 words. 20, and how does that compare to the average vocabulary of a Briton, would we say, roughly? That we Four know? times as much. No, uh, half, half as much. Half as much, oh, less. surprisingly, yes. I mean, we're not saying that Shakespeare used every word he knew in his books. I'm sure he left lots out. I don't remember the word. He didn't use any... hard drive. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yes. I think it's in the second folio. Oh, it might be. You know. So it's about half that of the average modern English person's vocabulary, because obviously he didn't have certain words to call on, like, you know, texting or vajazzle or whatever. But um, <laughs> on the other hand, he did have, you know, gurdon and uh, bodkin and, uh, and fardle, which we don't yes. use so much. Okay, we don't need to know. Um, when it cut to David Mitchell, that, by the way, for obviously listeners just hearing that, when Beef, t <laughs> what made me laugh is when Beef said, Oh, you can just listen to it, you know what, you don't need to see it. <laughs> and I said, Yeah, I know what Stephen Fry looks like. And then 30 minutes, 30 seconds into the actual clip, he turned the screen around and I was surprisingly surprised to see Stephen Fry in like full Shakespearean. Yeah, car. that's what I thought. I was like, Actually, no, you do need to see this. <laughs> yeah, actually, you don't know what Stephen Fry looks <laughs> yeah. like. Here. When it cut to David Mitchell wearing it, I was like, He didn't look that weird. It just looked like, Oh, it looks like what he should be wearing. Doesn't he wear that in The Upstart Crow? The Upstart Crow? Yeah, that's a comedy that they. Because um... that was, wasn't that one of the names for Shakespeare? It was one of those sort of like nicknames because he was this. Like Stephen Fry was just saying, he was he was kind of had like a lowly start to society, mm -hmm. um, and his rise actually came from his his business acumen. Right. So he ended up owning a part of the Globe Theatre. Right. And and he was able to make money out of it. So Christopher Marlowe, who we'll come on to later, who's one of the yeah one of the main guys when we're talking about this conspiracy, who would could claim that authorship. Yeah, they mentioned him in that clip. Um, he was. He was a fantastic writer, but he didn't have any business acumen. Right. So William Shakespeare made all the money, but he kind of deserved the money because he knew how to make it. Chris Marlowe didn't how, know how to make it. But um, I'm just going to throw a few more facts out there. Could just I just, to kind of, isn't before, there? You, before you get those it. facts, you just mentioned the Globe. Yes. I walked past the Globe um, possibly about uh, between two and four weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, I was just walking along the Thames one day and I walked past the Globe and I uh, had some weird towel stickers in my pocket. Oh, so on the, bins, on. on the bins around the Globe, <laughs> you may see some oh, weird really? towel stickers. Yeah. Oh, you should have said Rachel was at the Globe on Thursday. Oh, really? She went with the school, yeah. Well, outside the Globe, you have to have a lot of buskers. Yeah. And so the bins actually along the, the riverfront, yeah. opposite where the buskers are. There's weird towel stickers on those. Well, it's... Uh, I don't know. I think I, I went to the... in London. Yeah, the Globe. The Globe, yeah. It's on the Thames. It's like really right, right, like, right, right next to the river, across, isn't it? Like he's born in Stratford. But if you're walking along the River Thames, you've got these buildings, and then all of a sudden there's like a really, really super old building, and it's the Globe. Oh. And you can, they still do productions there, the Shakespeare Very productions. It's near to, um, what's the big market? Because I went there as well. Where where Bridget Jones <sighs> lived. Notting Hill? No, the big, what's the big famous market in London? Sorry. Oh, it's like really expensive. It seems like the sort of place mm -hmm. you would have gone. <laughs> 
Um, I don't know. I know. I can. I know from watching Bridget Jones yeah. like fifteen years it's ago. It's where the, the, no. there's a famous ship there. I've recorded actually some of the episode Greenwich? of I did with Macabre London. I did when we went to the Clink. It's the market mm. that's next to there. The big famous fucking market in London. Anyway, it's near there. It's like a two minute walk from there. So uh, I'm just going to go through a few a few facts. I mean, I think it's safe to say that everyone is going to know who William Shakespeare is, but. I don't know too much about him, really, um, other than the fact that he made loads of plays. Borough Market. Borough Market, that's it. Uh, but he was born 26th of April, 1564, in Stratford. It was later changed to Stratford-upon-Avon. Mm-hmm. Uh, widely considered to be one of the world's greatest dramatists, but we'll see. Uh, apparently, did he or didn't he, but it may have written 38 plays and 154 sonnets. The sonnets you can kind of give him, wouldn't you? He wrote none. Even if he wrote the plays, he'd be like, yeah, I'll give you some sonnets. Like, that's fine. They're just like the offcuts of a big joint of beef. Like, okay. You can have the sonnets. That's fine. Um, <laughs> he married Sonic Anne Hathaway Hathaway when he was 18. He married who? Anne Hathaway when he was 18. <laughs> Anne Hathaway? And not the actual actress that we know now. Yeah, she's 300 years old. <laughs> she looks great. She does, doesn't she? <laughs> Is she a relation? What, Anne Hathaway? Is Anne Hathaway a relation of Anne Hathaway? The American actress, Anne Probably. Oh, I don't know, maybe, I'm not sure. Uh, he had seven brothers. Yeah, seven brothers. Uh, he worked as an actor, primarily. Right. So, which is... that's That was his craft. So he was, he was an actor, and that's right. how he then presumably got into writing. Um, and he was really well sought after, um, which we'll talk about that a bit later again. Uh, and we'll, we'll leave it there. There's a few others, but it's it's that there's just a little bit. <laughs> the of way you said we'll leave it there was like, thanks for listening. I've seen that. <laughs> yeah. Until next time. And uh, we, we're done with uh, with that. Uh, right. Okay. You mentioned one thing. I'm going to pick up on later, but I'm I'm pleased that you picked up on it. Was uh, Mark Rylance? Yeah. His name being dropped in there. I was really interested that well, you didn't hear because it was well, while I was watching the clip. But I was quite shocked that he name dropped right Mark Rylance as someone who. Mm. Doesn't believe that Shakespeare because he's quite a classically trained actor. Mark he's right? very, very classically trained. He's and he's the uh, isn't he? I think he's currently the Globe's artistic director. Oh, really? I think. Oh, okay. Um, but anyway, he's he was uh, on that boat in Dunkirk. <laughs> he was also uh, the BFG. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Wasn't he? Is he Shakespeare? No, but he believes that Shakespeare wasn't real. He believes Shakespeare wasn't real. Yeah. That's why that was one of the na- names that uh, uh, Stephen Fry dropped in that video. He was like amongst like prominent believers that Shakespeare wasn't real. And, he and Derek Jacobi's like, another one. Yeah, like, oh, Mark Rylance doesn't believe he was real, and he's like a proper Shakespearean actor. Wow. So there you go. That's interesting to me. So what we're going to do is um, we're just going to now go through like a little. Uh, we were going to play a game, like a card sort game, but I'm now I'm just going to read out different quotes from people who research this kind of stuff and they look into the authorship of Shakespeare's works. Right. Um, because uh, you get uh, people who believe that Shakespeare was the true author of all his work are considered to be called Stratfordians. Right. And the people that don't are considered to be called anti-Stratfordians. Okay. Um, so we're just going to look at a bunch of quotes because I, I always feel like, when you, particularly when you're looking at something historically... You know, you look at the people who have actually researched this. This is their job or their scholars. You know, let's look at let's look at what people say and try and divide up the evidence. So my plan is, I'm going to read out a bunch of quotes, which should be quite quick to go through. Stratfordian, anti-Stratfordian, um, 
and at the end I'll collate the data and just see what we've got. You know, for okay. and against what what do we actually have when we're looking at it properly? Um, so I'll just load this up. So what I'll do is I'll read it out because we're not got the cards to sort out because mm-hmm. I didn't cut them out yesterday. I forgot. Um, I'll just highlight the stuff that's that you would consider to be anti-Stratfordian. Okay. And I won't highlight the other stuff. So uh, first one, we've got Matthew Cosolotto, president of the Shakespeare Oxford Society. Okay. Some of the people with their names, you could pretty much guess. He's but he says, unlike other writers of the period, not a single manuscript or letter exists in Shakespeare's own handwriting. Oh. Nothing survives of a literary nature that connects William of Stratford, the man, with any of the Shakespeare works. Oh, so not a single, there's not any manuscripts, no letters at all that but can sit in his own handwriting. In his own handwriting at all? Nothing. Because it didn't exist. That's mad. Oh, that's actually something I will throw in. There's no one that would, um, anti-Stratfordian or not, that would um, doubt that he existed. Oh, okay. There's too much evidence. He was a man. He definitely existed. <laughs> I mean, it's because he, he didn't matter. <laughs> he... Well, okay, so he was a man. So that to me, the fact that there's no um, no writing that he did, no, no handwriting, doesn't link to whether he wrote them plays or not. He so you existed. wouldn't say that that's... that 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 suggests that he didn't exist to me. Okay, you can say that about any man who lived at that time. Okay, so you you're not saying this is anti-strat. For I him. think it, I think it's being put forward as an anti-strat. Yeah, but to me, it doesn't prove anti-strat. No. Because that, that okay. suggests he didn't exist, but like, there, there, there's no handwriting from lots of people of that era. That's true. If they believe he was real, then it makes no difference whether they've got handwriting from his or not. It doesn't link to whether he wrote those plays or not. Okay. All right. Well, but I, can I leave think that one the, blank. But I think the point is it's making is supposed to be anti-strat. Well, you can you can read into it however you want. What do you That's... think, Tissy? I'm getting so confused about anti-strat. Anti-stratfordians believe that Shakespeare was a fraud. Right. He didn't write the plays. Stratfordians believe he did. Right, okay. And that, but basically the quotes we're supposed to say, whether the person who said them, whether they're saying it isn't supporting anti-Stratfordian beliefs or not, or Stratfordian. I agree with you that it points to him not existing with the no handwriting, but if he actually existed, then there's a good chance that if there was nothing handwritten by him, then that's just how it goes. Okay. Ages ago, wasn't it? I, can, I don't have to highlight, I can leave it actually... I think we should still highlight anti-strat because I think that's the intention of the of the quote. Okay. I personally do. Yeah, right. That's that highlighted. And we've now got uh, William Lay, head of the Shakespeare Authorship Studies at Brunel University. There are no official records that state Shakespeare was a writer, but there are about seventy documents that state he was an actor or a money lender. There are only six examples of his signature, and they all spell his name differently. He is illiterate. That's why. So he can't even spell his name. He's not going to write plays. Maybe he did write them, but he had someone like... Oh, that's why there's no handwriting for him, because he just dictated them. Yeah. Maybe he was a literate. It's a possibility. And that's why he had to dictate them through voice, because he couldn't... Do you think that comment is strat or anti-strat? Strat, because I've come to the conclusion that that would that would actually destroy the last one. Because if there's nothing handwritten by him and everything handwritten by him spelt wrong, stand to reason you wouldn't write You're not going to write much, are you? Because you can't write. Because it takes you I forever. feel like you're going to convince him. By the end of this, he's going to be online. Oh, I don't Bill know about it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll leave that unhighlighted then. Okay. 
Uh, so wish he was Strat. I think that's Strat. He thinks that's yeah. Strat. Yeah, yeah. So I'll leave it unhighlighted. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's yeah. yeah. Uh, so the last one was anti-Strat. Strat. Yeah. Uh, I think actually the second Strat kind of denounced the anti-Strat. It's kind it of, does a little bit in hindsight, but we'll just keep with our yeah, first yeah. answers. Okay. Shakespeare. Uh, so the third one, sorry, David Cathman, an American scholar who edits a website about Shakespeare, says Shakespeare's name appeared on the very first printed editions of the works and other writers in his lifetime. Credit Shakespeare with being the author. Nobody ever claimed the plays were written by someone else during Shakespeare's lifetime, which is what Stephen Fry was saying. He's like, well, if someone, if he wasn't writing them, wouldn't someone have said it? Wouldn't someone, why, why would someone cover it up? Wouldn't they just mention it? Yeah. So that's what they're saying. Yeah. Or, well, if he's got money, he might, yeah, he might've been able to. Okay. So that's Strat. Uh, Yeah. Because it's not, yeah. It is Strat, isn't it? Yeah. 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 There's no, there's not really any no. questioning that one. Okay. Stuart Hampton Reeves of the British Shakespeare Society. Shakespeare's background needs clearing up. The idea that he was a poor man and a commoner is wrong. His father was the mayor of Stratford, which was a thriving market town. He came from a decent background and his education at Stratford Grammar School rivaled any education today. So he was a middle class guy. Even yeah. Maybe even upper class. Maybe he was like... Sorry, guys. Right. Hello? Hello? The government. Stop talking. Just drop it. (laughs) Just drop it. Sorry. It's Rachel and she knows we're recording, so I'm just going to quickly... Good on you. Shakespeare, you're better than me. Foundation. (laughs) We know what you're doing. (laughs) We know what you talk about. We're going to get some hash money. Maybe it's the fake spear. It's a spy. It's a spy. <laughs> I want some fucking Shakespeare hash money. I could do some hash money actually. That'd be nice. I'd love to know something to get some hash money. Just any money. Yeah. Probably yeah. left enough money to keep people quiet as well. If he knew how to make money. You know how much money they make from selling Shakespeare books every day? They can hash people all over. Yeah. <laughs> They're just reprinting the same stories. He's not writing any new ones. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so he wasn't a poor man and he wasn't a commoner. His his father was wealthy, he was the mayor of Stratford and he came from a decent education. He went to a grammar school. Right. Where he learnt Latin as well. Didn't they all speak Latin back then? Didn't they pig Latin? <laughs> the, um, yeah. Ixnay on the Atten. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so we're leaving that as that's Stratford doing it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh... Okay. Uh, we're William Leahy again, head of the Shakespeare Authorship Studies. Uh, Shakespeare could have gone to Stratford Grammar School, but no record exists to prove that. It's all speculation, man. That's and even like, yeah, if he did, yeah. it would have been only for six years. So only? That's a long time to go to grammar school, isn't it? Yeah. How much does that cost? Not grammar school. You went there for six years. That's fucking loads. That's, like That's a long time to go to grammar school. That's like... It sounds like this guy's trying to... I don't know. I think he's clutching at straws there. Yeah. Um, you got to look at the... He's trying interests. to be anti-strat, but he hasn't got really a leg to stand on that boy. No. Are we going to... Are you putting it as an anti-strat or as a weak anti-strat? Well, no, he's trying. Yeah, I guess it is anti-strat. He's trying to be anti-strat, but it doesn't do nothing for me. We'll give it We'll give it a weak anti-strat. Yeah, can you give it a weak But highlight? if it's true that there's no proof that you went to grammar school, then that's good anti-strat, right? Yeah, but it, there's no proof, but it's like, what proof would there be? Yeah, I suppose. That someone went to that school. They had school records from all that way back still. 
Yeah. No, is there proof that anyone went to any school from back then? <laughs> I, don't I don't know. There's proof I went to school. Yeah, exactly. But I don't even have proof. It's only on a bit of paper, isn't it? There's it ends no up in your proof CV. That I'm, I'm, I was born because my mum lost my birth certificate. Yeah, so did my mum. So did my mum. The NRA yeah. and the UK version of the NRA has got everything. <laughs> right there, that's the National Rifle Association. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> oh, what am I thinking of? What are you thinking I don't of? know. NSA. Are you thinking? The National Shakespeare Association. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Okay, so I'm now just going to mention another one. David Cathman, who we mentioned earlier. Yeah. Uh, William Shakespeare of Stratford-upon-Avon was an actor in the company that performed the plays of William Shakespeare and was also a sharer in the theatre in which the plays were presented. To anyone with a logical mind, it follows that this William Shakespeare of Stratford-upon-Avon was also the writer of the plays and poems that bear his name. He is the man with the right name at the right time and at the right place. He did it say he owned the theatre? He didn't he was a sharer. He had shares right. in the theatre. He might have just been one of them like guys who wants his name on everything. It's my theatre, it's my play, it's my play, my name's on it. I'm performing it. Mm. He sounds like a right dick. And if he couldn't if his writing maybe if we take from the quote earlier, if his writing wasn't if he spells his name different ways, he might you know, meet people all the time who are very intelligent, but their writing is r- terrible. Like yeah, their handwriting's like dreadful. Um, My handwriting's fucking proper shit. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying to outdo each other on how bad I write. My handwriting is a crock. Cracking rubbish. <laughs> um, no one's handwriting's any good now, though, because we have less and less reasons yeah. to write. You know when you yeah. used to go back to school after six weeks off and you're like, I can't write. Yeah. That's like, what I'm like write. every I time I write something. Now I, I write, write the anything, yeah. List and I'm like, fucking hell. I literally get in Tesco's and I'm like, what did I want? Yeah. <laughs> Does that say beans? I don't know. <laughs> that's what it says. Um, yeah. That's, that's trying One to be strat, using a pen it? will be like Renaissance. Oh, that's, that's like giving strat like a blow up of the bum hole. I love strat. But um, <laughs> surprise, got to write strat on. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, but I, to me, that again, all the ones the 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 ones that are trying to be strat are making me think anti-strat thoughts, and yeah. vice versa. He's trying so hard to be strat, yeah, that he's like mm. making me feel like what are you what are you covering up, man? What are you hiding? Yeah, it just makes me feel like Shakespeare was a pushy guy. What his name on everything? So would you actually say he's trying too hard? It's making him sound. It's making him sound anti-strat, but he, the, the the intent is strat. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, let's have a look. All right. So we're now coming on to um, <laughs> how casually we've cropped onto the strat and his strat slang. I know rubs, rubs and real. Yeah, real or rubs. rubs. For me, that's. I'm just gonna replace it. When we do weird news. Oh, like, that's so strat. Strat or anti strat. <laughs> the Patreons will get anti strat. The name rubs. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, if we ever bring Patreon back and do some bonus ones, I want to do a show called Anti Strat. <laughs> it's just the latest fucking anti fucking Stratfordian news. Yeah. Uh, All the anti Shakespeare gang. Get yeah, it's the Alex Jones for Shakespeare. Right, anyway, B. Uh, right, so we're now coming on to. Um, so this mentions De Vere. So Edward De Vere was the Earl of Oxford, who's a big candidate for the authorship thing right um so this isn't something he said but this is uh matthew casolito who i spoke about earlier he says many of the plays contain characters and details that rate relate directly to de vere's life they show an intimate knowledge of a wide range of subjects including the law italy foreign languages heraldry music navigation court manners and gossip and warfare De Vere's known educational background, foreign travels, and life experiences match the knowledge based 
shown in Shakespeare's plays and poems. Anti-strat. So anti-strat, isn't it? So anti-strat. Couldn't that's be more anti-strat. The most anti-strat. That's the, that's the first anti-strat one that I don't feel is making me think like strat thoughts either as, yeah. as well. Yeah. <laughs> Keep me away from those strat thoughts. I want to get a new t-shirt that says strat life. <laughs> anti-strat life. <laughs> anti-strat life. Anti-strat rules. On that t-shirt that Becca's doing, we're getting a fake fake t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I might put like hashtag anti-strat life at the bottom of it or something. <laughs> That'd be sick. Or like on the back, anti-strat life. Because at the moment it says 400 years of lies. Shakespeare. You could have, yeah, Hashtag you could have it like a... Anti-strat life would be good to have. Maybe do a strat. You could literally have it written design. over his face. You should do an, a strat and an anti-strat design. Oh, <laughs> I like that. Amazing. We have like a 400 years of, years of yes. history and a 400 years of lies. Yeah. Two different designs. Amazing. That'd be sick. Boom. Done. Cool. We right, could market yeah. that to like Reddit groups with Shakespeare. Yeah, well on that. Okay, the mark. Oh, not confirmed. I'll talk about t-shirts at the end of the episode. But yeah, Matthew Costolato, president of the Shakespeare Oxford Society. I'm going to give you two more, by the way. Shakespeare returned to Stratford in his forties. Right. Bought a big house, traded in grain and property, and died in 1616. There was no large funeral, no commemoration in London, and no poems written in his honour. He didn't leave a single book in his will, and his daughters lived and died illiterate. And his strap. If you were this great playwright, even if you were illiterate and had to get all your people to write for you, you would have your children educated. 100%. Because you are like, I am passionate about this craft. You'd be reading them the story. Yeah, I'm passionate about this craft and I want you to have the better education than I did and not be illiterate. Yeah. Because look how much money's in this basically yeah. Yeah, everyone, anyone who does successfully always wants their kids to follow in their footsteps because it's like look how much success I had and even if their kids aren't interested they're always like you should do this yeah and yeah. he would yeah yeah, exactly you'd, th- you'd think so wouldn't you yeah um, I lied there were three more this is the next one um, two more now David Kathman Italian culture and literature were widespread in all Elizabethan literature and drama not just Shakespeare's work there were many sources for any intelligent Elizabethan to find out about Italy. So just because you don't have the education that De Vere had mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean you couldn't write. Well, that's about Strat it. then, isn't it? Because they're saying you yeah. know he he could find out about this stuff. Because one of the big anti-Strat arguments is like, well, he couldn't have possibly understood this stuff. He's not from there, but yeah, well, you can find out. Yeah, Speak just to because there wasn't someone who does know. Wikipedia doesn't mean... To me, some of these things are making me feel like maybe Shakespeare was a co-writer, like mm-hmm. an ideas man. Mm-hmm. So um, I always think of myself a bit like this. I don't think I'm that good a writer, but I feel like I have really good ideas. Um, so I would be work well in a co-writing situation. I've never found anyone to co-write with, but that's beside the point. I feel like he co-wrote with a lot of different people. So maybe he did co-write with this Devere guy. And, maybe, mm-hmm. and that's where like, the historical stuff of his work comes in. And the more historical plays. Because he's got comedies and romances and mysteries, doesn't mm. he? Stuff like that. And then maybe he co-wrote with other people. Maybe like they're all Shakespeare. But he wanted the fame. He was fame hungry. Yeah. And wanted his name on all of it. Yeah. So he was like an ideas man. But didn't actually write any of it. Because he was illiterate and didn't have all the knowledge. So he'd be like, I don't know, something historical here. And then they would add those bits in and he would just be like, well, how about if this happened? And Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'm starting to lean on that. Yeah. It's, that sounds good. That sounds very plausible, isn't it? Thanks. Uh, I'm going to end on um, a big juicy one right. from Sigmund Freud, world famous okay. psychologist. Yeah. Fucked his mum. 
Yeah. <laughs> he didn't. No, he just talked a he, lot about it. He said that people want to fuck their mums. And kill their dad. Yeah. I, I don't want to do either. So. No, I don't. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Tish, do you want to do one of those things? Fuck, marry, avoid. Mm. <laughs> oh, like, no, wait. No, that's... Fuck, marry, avoid. Fuck, fuck marry, kill, isn't kill. it? Yeah, fuck, marry, kill. <laughs> avoid. Yeah. It's, it's like the, your mum, your dad, and like your partner. It's like marry, partner, fuck, mum, kill, dad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that's a Freudian. Oh, what a Freudian slip. Yeah, apart from it was a thought-out <laughs> sentence. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, I mean, oh, well, I didn't mean to say that. Yeah, ooh, sorry about that. Uh, well, he said, I am almost convinced that the assumed name, William Shakespeare, conceals the personality of Edward de Vere, Earl of Oxford. The man of Stratford seems to have nothing at all to justify his claim, whereas Oxford has almost everything. I think with that, I think if you're the Earl of Oxford, mm-hmm. wouldn't you have the power to be able to... Yeah. Would to be able to do that, yeah. So that's kind of he's making it anti-strat. Yeah. They all seem to most of them seem to be meaning one thing, but it's just like when you pick tenuous. holes in it, it makes you feel Their like it's actually the other side. Flat, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. The uh, truth is, no one can know because it was too long ago to have any like documents. The only documents that exist are the plays themselves. Yeah, and there's no way to tell for just from a play. Uh, so are we are we leaving that? Are we just going to think actually that's too weak for it to be anti-strat? Or are you? Uh, no, I think he means it as anti-strat. Yes, yeah, so, so we'll go. Let's pop it. Okay, I can tell you now. Yeah, we aced it. So it's, we've got five anti-strat. Yeah, and one, two, three, four, oh. five. Oh no, five strat. Dead heat. Dead heat. Dead rubber. It just goes to show, doesn't it, how, how like, <laughs> what do we get them right or not? Well, no, you got you got them right, think, but what it's, we, it's, it's, what do you it's think? not necessarily it's it's a historical oh, source. From those things. So there's think? no real right or wrong because actually the the beauty of this evidence is that you can pick holes in it. That it's you know we we was you know we picked apart Sigmund Freud at the end like well he means anti-strap but it's actually kind of like, you no could argue what, against it no matter what they meant what we decided they meant whether we think well that's anti-strap or that's strat still just on our opinion it's still so just like dead he yeah yeah no matter what the intention you know yeah some of the strats were just like making you think anti-strap yeah um, I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> this, if someone tuned into this episode after it would be like completely un- incomprehensible it's like some of the strats are making me think can't these strat like <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean <laughs> what you talking about <laughs> um, before we move on to if someone tuned out you know when you zone out when you listen to something and you come if back someone in again. zoned out for like that like one minute where he just casually explained what strat and anti strat meant they would be like what the fuck is this episode about <laughs> <laughs> Stratocasters. Stratocasters. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Before we come on to this in a moment, I'm gonna look at Edward Devere, mm-hmm. uh Christopher Marlowe. Cruella Deville. And uh Cruella Deville. Uh, no I'm not. And um <laughs> No I'm not <laughs> And uh Francis Bacon, who are the three main <laughs> contenders. Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon. Francis Bacon. Um but I'm I'm now going to play this video because we talked about Mark Rylance. Right. So yeah. I was thinking it's it's a good time to break up this chat and have a little bit of a video. So okay. Uh, so this is my Mark Rylance on Shakespeare's plays. He's speaking in 2011, so okay. seven years ago. Your question about the difference that it makes 
I've, I've played in maybe 50 productions of Shakespeare plays and plays by his contemporaries over the 30 years of my career and was 10 years artistic director of Shakespeare's Globe. I, I love the Shakespeare plays. I particularly love the author and I love new plays. And I, I think in any field, if there was someone who had achieved what this author has achieved in his field, the, the people who work in that field would be interested. If it was in medicine or war or aviation or farming, people would be interested in how that person had surpassed not just the people in his country, but seemingly anyone that anyone can mention anywhere in the world. No one's written such a wide compass of plays as Shakespeare. So yes, I'm interested in how he did that. And at the moment, there is a massive campaign to convince us that this is some kind of impersonal literary exercise. And that's being taught to young people who pay a lot of money in many universities that the sonnets are a literary exercise. I have never, ever encountered a poet, a playwright, any artist that doesn't involve himself or herself personally in their work and doesn't draw upon their own experience and their own efforts to learn by books or by talking to other people or by visiting places, by putting a lot of work in. To say that these works, that you make up 14 plays about Italy, set in Italy with accurate details of Italian landscape, customs, habits, culture, you just imagine that stuff. I think it's an absolute crime that young people are being taught that. An absolute crime that members of my profession are being taught that. And since I, the authorship question was open to me, my respect for the author, my attention to the detail of the plays, my, my feelings that I'm working with someone who is possibly, in this particular story, sharing something of enormous personal pain and suffering, that these words were not just made up, it's a ridiculous Abstract. idea, but that there was enormous personal suffering that went in to make this kind of writing. You know, I don't, let them bring forth other writers. Let them bring forth evidence that Ibsen or Chekhov or Goethe wrote without deep feeling, or Dostoevsky wrote without deep feeling and personal input. There's a great, great uh, deal of rubbish being put about, about Shakespeare and uh, it's getting in the way it's getting in the way badly. And unfortunately, people like Roland and these actors who are, t are putting themselves in the line and the people who've backed this film and the person who's written it are doing a lot to break down that idiocy. Uh, as there is idiocy in many fields at the moment, isn't there? As many, many fields. Yes. And, and, <laughs> and one of the fortunate things of this, this Shakespearean thing is it's totally unimportant. It doesn't matter a jot. But when you break through it, it starts to teach you how to question and break through other fallacies that are being put about at the moment. So that's the difference it makes to me as an artist, sir. Oh, he was pretty passionate about that. Mark yeah. Rylance there. And he's a man. He's, um, he's a trustee of the Shakespearean Authorship Trust. Mm. Um, I, I like what he's got to say, and I, I respect him. I don't really know... Too much about Mark Rylance, but the work I have seen him do, I enjoy. Like, mm -hmm. He's a great actor. A um, in that video, he looks completely different to in my head. Like, oh, really? He looks like he's got like a nice mustache and oh, stuff. Really? Yeah, but um, is he talking? By the way, he was mentioning a film. Is he talking about Anonymous? 
Uh, yes, yeah. yeah. So Anonymous is the film about, you know, the Anthony Strat film, basically. Yeah, yeah. It's about Shakespeare didn't write exactly. the plays. And that came out in like two Yeah, exactly. So. And, and a lot of what he's got to say is... Is coming from his passion of you know, coming from his passion and and um, as an actor and in actually no, I want to make sure that this is you know, and I think this is very true that we've got to be careful that what we're teaching children is is as right as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, bearing in mind that all I remember from English literature was Shakespeare. Yeah, every year it's Shakespeare, 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 like ram down your throat. It's not so much you're not studying Shakespeare, you're studying his plays. But if you're studying his his plays and being told he's the greatest playwright of all time, well, we should make sure we're getting that information right. Yeah. Um, but what did you think about that, Tissy? Really interesting. He, yeah, really passionate about his. Uh, he kind of makes makes the argument as if it's already decided, and that mm. he was very the line like, steadfast needs to not in his continue belief. now. Yeah, it was yeah. like it wasn't like. We need to look into it. It was like, for him, it was ridiculous that we even still thought of Shakespeare as real. How could we? Yeah. And he's not questioning... It's a lot of sense. I think he's... he's... never been to Italy, the real, the real Shakespeare, the one that lived. I guess there's no records, is there? That he didn't... It, I think he it's hard to, to keep it, that right? record of, that. of that happening. Um, Who did? Did the Earl of... Uh, what's his name go to... The, the Earl of Oxford, almost, I, I mean, I've not looked into it, but being an, an Earl, yeah, I, I'm guessing... That would have included travel and and um, like trade um, conversation and co- political conversation with other well, European countries. So, and actually having having being the Earl and, and having all that money, I'd imagine yeah. that would involve some nice and if this Shakespeare trips guy, away. there seems to be a discrepancy of like, was he some poor farmer dude or poor actor, or was he this like rich guy who went to these like rich schools? Because if he was the former. He wouldn't have been able to afford to go to Italy. No. But then he made his money. So um, I'll come on to a little bit that Rachel talked about yesterday. I was jotting down notes in the car. She was telling me this. When we talk about Christopher Merlot um, uh, and the fact that he, that there's lots of speculation, lots of evidence now to suggest that Shakespeare was, was fantastic with money and right. learned to earn money. So oh. although he had like a lowly so he beginning... Modestly. Yeah, and learn how to learn how, and obviously being a shareholder in in the Globe, right? You know that would have been a big deal then, let alone now. Okay. Um, are you bearing in mind that that theatre was the only form of entertainment, really? Mm-hmm. Like there was obviously other stuff, but if you've got money, or even if you didn't have money, the point was that the theatre was made for everyone. You know, you could afford to sit up and up in the balconies, or they cram you in in the standing. Like, if you have you guys been to the Globe? I've never been to the Globe. Man. If you go and stand Not in there, it. I've been outside. It's really small. It's much smaller than you think. And it then when someone tells outside. you they used to cram like three thousand people in there, you're like, wow, really? How? I haven't seen enough Shakespeare plays, to be honest. How? Um, I didn't. I went as part of a school drama trip. So because it was a drama trip, right. they had some of the Shakespeare Company actors, and they performed like a ten minute segment of uh, Hamlet. What's right. the one to be or not to be? Is that Hamlet? That's, That's Hamlet. Hamlet. Who's um, talking to? A skull. A skull. Yorick. He's holding the skull in his hand. Like, like that. He's just pondering to himself. Is he just that, picks up a skull. that common Shakespeare? Where would he have seen a skull before? That's <laughs> what I'm thinking. <laughs> not on <laughs> TV. <laughs> but, um, I didn't know about skulls. I would, I've never seen a real skull in my life, so I no, would never know. You've never seen a real skull? In, well, no, on television. In, in a museum or something. Well, no, nah, but, but the museums didn't exist, did they, back then? 
But if you if you fancy that, I tried to find something of uh, Derek Jacobi as well. He's right. obviously another big classic English actor. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can only find clips from him on Fraser, right, okay. um, so I've left that. But if you <laughs> um, if you're interested, you're listening, you're quite interested in that, then go to ShakespeareanAuthorshipTrust.org.uk. There's loads of information on there. You can donate if you really want so to. So they the anti strap corporation yeah and well they're, they're not be, um, necessarily anti-strat this is what they're just although mark rylance i i picked up that he's more on the anti-strat side but he loves shakespeare. he wants truth they're, yeah. they're for truth they're not they're not anti-shakespeare they're truth yeah. they're after the truth so um you can you can look and it shows you the different candidates they show you the the main ones that we're going to talk about now but also a few other people and why they they think that um, like these, I say, you can donate as well. These videos. links will be on the website as well, on our website. Yeah. Uh, but now what I'm going to do is we're going to look at the three main guys that they talk, that Stephen Fry talked about. So uh, Francis Bacon, Chris Marlowe, and Edward Devere. Um, I'm going to read Francis Bacon. Um, this is all stuff that I've just kind of collated. I had to like draw it right down. And it's still like a couple of paragraphs each. Mm-hmm. But it's the main stuff that we need to know when we're talking about these guys. Okay. Uh, Bob, you can do Chris Marlowe and... Okay. Tish, you can do um, De Vere at the end. So Francis Bacon uh, was the first Viscount of St. Albans. He was an English philosopher, statesman, scientist, jurist, orator and author. He served both as an Attorney General and as Lord Chancellor of England. The Baconian theory of Shakespearean authorship holds that Sir Francis Bacon wrote the plays which were publicly attributed to William Shakespeare. Various explanations are offered for this alleged um, subterfuge, most commonly that Bacon's rise to high office might have been hindered were it to become known that he wrote plays for the public stage. So he's obviously on his way up. Yeah. That's only going to kind of stop him from achieving other things if it... Isn't it weird how, like, in some cases they're like writers, yeah, writers of the men, and some they're like writers, fucking writers, uh, yeah, exactly. Heels. Why it's is the that same considered? now? It is writing is either considered to be like, oh, he's amazing, he's a writer, or like fucking writers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, but it's thus, thus the plays were credited to Shakespeare, who was merely a front to shield the identity of Bacon. The theory is put forth in the mid nineteenth century based on perceived correspondence between the philosophical ideas found in Bacon's writings and the works of Shakespeare. In conformity with these ideas, Baconian writer Harry Stratford Coldcott held that the Shakespearean work was of such an incalculably higher caliber than that of contemporary playwrights that it could not possibly have been written by any of them even mainstream Shakespearean scholar Horace Howard Furness wrote that had the plays come down to us anonymously had the labor of discovering the author been imposed upon future generations we could have found no one of that day but Francis Bacon to whom to assign the crown in this case it would have been resting now upon his head by almost common consent he was agreed Caldecott all the things that the plays of Shakespeare demand that the author should be, a man of vast and boundless ambition and attainments, a philosopher, a poet, a lawyer, a statesman. Mm-hmm. 
That's the theory. I'm just like, these guys who have got all this going on don't have time to write all these plays, though. Yeah, like 38 plays. And they're, yeah. not, they're not short plays. Oh, we just plays. did them on the side. And all the sonnets. Over 150 sonnets. Um, yeah, so what do you, what do you think to that? Do you, just, do you feel like there's... I feel like he's got too much going on to mm. write all these plays on the side as well. Yeah, just because he's learning doesn't mean that he's got the time to do it. Yeah. Yeah, he's and just because yeah, you're... He's also busy doing fucking everything else by the sounds of it. Yeah. Yeah, and surely... Just because you're not learning doesn't mean you can't write a good play. Yeah, but they say a lot of the stuff he wrote about was like someone who wasn't educated wouldn't be able to like know about those things. That's why I'm like he could be a co-writer because he could have these ideas, but any of that actual fact and and stuff he needs someone who's more educated than him or whatever, some higher class guy to yeah drop in that that information and actually write yeah. it. He may have been like an artistic director, someone who. Would have put forth the ideas, yeah, this acted is it out. Performed. I can't write it, write down what I'm doing, write down the dialogue. They may have juiced up the dialogue yeah. a little bit to make it, you know, up a little zhuzh it, zhuzh it this up. is supposed to be like this, but it's like when you write that play, you're writing it for Shakespeare, you know, yeah. that's the way that's the deal. And Shakespeare's the collective performance because he owned the thing and it's him, yeah, yeah, write the theme tune. Sing the, sing the theme, theme tune. Write the theme tune, sing the theme tune. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's Francis Bacon. Yeah, um, I, I'm not up for that bacon. No, I'm not taking that bacon. Nah. Um, I think now... That just um, sounds like a, one of his mates, just like, yeah, he's fucking amazing, he, he, he could have done that, and it's just like, well... Yeah, you know. get off bacon's dick. Yeah, it's just one opinion. Um, so that's Francis Bacon Christopher Marlowe um, Bob do you want to do this one this is sure this is a bit meatier but only because this is got this is he's like the main culprit right okay. he's the main dude but also um, some of this is to do with his death and okay. lots of people think he um, faked his death so so okay so Christopher Marlowe is is my one so, uh, Christopher Marlowe, also known as Kit Marlowe, baptised the 26th of February, 1564. Um, it says baptised then to the 30th of May. That's a long baptism. Um, oh, no, that's his life. Yeah. Oh, so he was baptised. They only have a record of when he was baptised, not when he was born. They would have... Um, I, I'm learning about this now, by the way, baptisms. Uh, that's one of my modules. You're not a, a human being to you're baptised. Uh, no, it was more that baptisms... Um, were a much bigger ceremony. Okay. Um, so now baptisms are kind of they're still part and parcel of a church, but it was a big deal. So records of baptisms were right at the forefront. So yeah, I was going to say this is like a, you know a thirty year baptism. <laughs> <laughs> so he was baptized uh, fifteen sixty four, uh, died fifteen ninety three. Was an English playwright, poet, and translator of the Elizabethan era. Marlowe was the foremost Elizabethan tra- tragedian, tragedian, yeah, yeah, tragedian of his day. He greatly influenced William Shakespeare, who was born on the same year as Marlowe, and who rose to become the preeminent Elizabethan playwright after Marlowe's mysterious early death. Uh, Marlowe's plays are known for the use of blank verse and their overreaching protagonists. A warrant was issued for Marlowe's arrest on the 18th of May, 1593. No reason was given for it, though it was thought to be connected to allegations of blasphemy. A manuscript believed to have been written by Marlowe was said to contain, quote, vile heretical conceits. 
On the 20th of May, he was brought to the court to attend upon the Privy Council for questioning. There was no record of them having met that day, however, and he was commanded to attend upon them each day thereafter until licensed to the contrary. Ten days later, he was stabbed to death by Ingram Freiser. Whether or not the stabbing was connected to his arrest remains unknown. An argument has arisen centred on the notion that Marlowe may have faked his death and then continued to write under the assumed name of William Shakespeare. Orthodox academic consensus rejects alternative candidates for authorship of Shakespeare's plays and sonnets, including Marlowe. The Marlowian theory of Shakespeare authorship holds that the Elizabethan poet and playwright Christopher Marlowe was the main author of the poems and plays attributed to William Shakespeare. Rather, the theory says Marlowe did not die in Deptford on the 30th of May 1593, as the historical records state, but his death was faked. Um, so that's Christopher Marlowe. I feel like that's juicier. Oh, wait, is this... Am I reading the next bit as well? No, I'm doing Devere. Oh, hang on. I've read that. Oh, have you? Yeah, is that that as well? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, I've got more. Oof. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I told you it was a big I was bit. like, oh, it's only just really getting started. Yeah. Okay. So there's more. Marlovians, as those who subscribe to the theory are usually called, base their argument on supposed anomalies surrounding Marlowe's reported death and on the significant influence which, according to most scholars, Marlowe's works had on those of Shakespeare. They also point out the coincidence that, despite their having been born only two months apart, the first time the name William Shakespeare is known to have been connected with any literary work whatsoever was with the publication of Venus and Adonis just a week or two after the apparent death of Marlowe. The argument against this is that Marlowe's death was accepted as genuine by 16 jurors at the inquest held by the Queen's personal coroner, that everyone apparently thought that he was dead at the time, and that there is a complete lack of direct evidence supporting his survival beyond 1593. While there are similarities between their works, Marlowe's style, vocabulary, imagery, and his apparent weaknesses, particularly in the writing of comedy, are said to be too different from Shakespeare's to be compatible with the claims of the Marlowians. Unlike any other alternative Shakespeare, Marlowe was a brilliant poet and dramatist um, already and was the main creator of so-called Shakespearean blank verse drama. If his death had been faked, Marlovians point out that he would have had far better reasons than any other authorship candidate, both for continuing to write plays and for being compelled to do so under someone else's name. Their argument remains highly contentious and no mainstream scholar of Shakespeare's life and work currently accepts it. Okay. So, so before Tish starts, let's yeah, yeah. let's unpack yeah, Marlowe Mar- 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 a little him bit. A, a bit, yeah. It's very like conspiratorial that one. Mm. It's like fake death and fucking pseudonyms. It seemed quite interesting to begin with, but then it fell apart in the second half of that paragraph. Yeah, I feel like I, I, no I feel like the pinpoint for that argument um, against Christopher Marlowe is that he was already a fantastic playwright. So why would what why would he have a cause to? claim authorship of other plays. Well, he got in hot water, didn't he? Mm. He went to court and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, for being for making like heretical uh, points or whatever. Blasphemy, yeah. Yeah, but he... So he might have just been like, okay, start fresh mm-hmm. under a new name. I guess that's what they're getting at. But... <sighs> it, I it don't know. It seems quite tenuous, doesn't it? It um, seems like a lot going on. yeah. It doesn't seem to be clear-cut, and there doesn't seem to be any striking evidence, really. It's very conspiratorial. The whole, like, fake death and stuff. Yeah. Like, I guess the whole thing is a conspiracy, but this seems very, like, far-fetched. Um, so this is something that Rachel mentioned to me in the car yesterday that I wrote down because I felt like it was 
she was telling me it was pretty pretty helpful to know. Um, but it was particularly when we were talking about Marlowe in the car that she mentioned this. So she said that plays um, were never written to be published. So they were never going to be considered that they would be published for any reason. Right. Because lots of people were, were illiterate. So there was, who's going to read them, really? Um, so they were only for ne- um, entertainment. Once the lines were learned, they weren't necessarily kept. Copies weren't kept. When people started requiring, requiring copies someone would write them down as they were acted. So it could be, like you said earlier, that William Shakespeare was performing as the actor mm-hmm. and that someone else wrote them down. Maybe he dictated to them. Maybe he told them, this is how it needs to sound. This is the language you need to use. He may have even looked at what they'd written down afterwards over their shoulder and said, can you change that bit? Can you?" So maybe, you know, maybe he did write them quote unquote Mm -hmm. but they're not necessarily and that's why we can't find anything in his handwriting so but what about um do you um do you uh, we 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 spoke about this before but we sort of went off it before i got a chance to ask about um i i don't think i've never seen a shakespearean play performed by a proper shakespearean company like i said i had one time in school we had a proper theater company come in and they Performed a few pieces. They, they did a bit from Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. A bit from, uh, might have been The Tempest or one of the others. But they played like three different scenes from three different plays. And I saw that. And I've also watched an unprofessional production yeah. of Midsummer Night's Dream. Right. Um, when I say unprofessional, I don't mean like it was so. It was poor. so. It was rubbish. fine. Like, but it yeah. was just like not a, a drama not group. Not a proper company. Yeah, it was like yeah. a drama group. Um, it was fine, but. So I'm not like the, I have the biggest knowledge of Shakespeare, his actual plays. I yeah. always think they're not for me. I had to study a lot of them. For Eng- I did English literature for A-level and a lot mm. of that was uh, Shakespeare stuff, mm. um, which is fine. But I do find it hard to follow in that like iambic pentameter way it's written. I find it hard to follow. I know it's supposed to yeah. flow. The idea of it is supposed to flow and you yeah. follow it. But to me, it I doesn't. get lost. This is why I, I do think, I was like, even though I'm not a big fan, I wonder whether one day... I might just say let's let's go to the Globe yeah. see a proper Shakespeare play performed by the Shakespeare Company, and it might click for me. I might be like, "This is fucking brilliant." Yeah, because people, a lot of actors and people interacting will see Shakespeare plays. And they're like, "They're the fucking best." They still are. They're mm. brilliant. There's a reason why he's so good, and maybe I just haven't properly yeah, given it because we've the only time. ever read them at school and thought this is yeah, this is shite. Is. Yeah, they did it really interestingly on the newest series of Inside Number Nine because they're very experimental on that show and they'll do shows in in different styles. Uh, one of the episodes in that was completely performed in iambic pentameter. It was really, really? In iambic pentameter, and it's it's very mundane situation. It's like the whole thing is filmed within the lobby of a hotel, so it's always just people coming in and out of rooms and the conversations in the hallway and the staff. And oh, that's clever. It's a really good, fun episode to watch. It's got like a little bit of seriousness, a little bit of intrigue, a little bit of comedy. It's a good one. I can't remember. Uh, it's called Zanzibar. Right. It's the name of the hotel is the Zanzibar. So the episode's called Zanzibar. And that's all written and performed in iambic pentameter. Okay, and it was really interesting. Because oh, right. they the guys who who write and, and perform in Inside Number Nine have done a lot of like you know proper theatre acting and stuff. So yeah, yeah, they sort of know that stuff. But yeah, that that was really interesting. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Uh, right, just give us um, De Vere. Edward De Vere. Okay, so he was born twelfth of April, one day after my birthday. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> not the same. Edward De Vere, seventeenth Earl of Oxford. Uh, was an English peer and courtier of the Elizabethan area, area, era. <laughs> <laughs> Though most literary scholars reject all alternative authorship candidates, 
including Oxford, popular interest in the Oxfordian theory continues since the 1920s. The Oxfordian theory has been the most popular alternative Shakespearean authorship theory. Some of these words. <laughs> Some of these words. Ox- listen to this Oxfordian. next sentence, right? Oxfordian. This yeah. next sentence. Oxfordian arguments rely heavily on biographical allusions. Adherents find correspondence between incidents and circumstances in Oxford's life and events in Shakespeare's plays, sonnets, and longer poems. The case also relies on perceived parallels of language, idiom, and thought between Shakespeare's works. And the Oxford's own poetry. <laughs> Come on. I'm tripping over all my words. No, you're doing fine. Yeah, yeah. Oxfordians interpret certain 16th and 17th century literary allusions as indicating that Oxford was one of the more prominent suppressed anonymous and for pseudonym... Pseudonymous? Pseudonymous. Pseudonymous, yeah. Pseudonymous, yeah. Writers of the day. Under this scenario, Shakespeare was either a frontman or a playbroker who published the plays under his own name or was merely an actor with the similar name misidentified as the playwright since the first Shakespeare biographies of early 1700s. The most compelling evidence against the Oxfordian theory is De Vere's death in 1604 since the generally accepted chronology of the Shakespeare's plays placed the composition of approximately 12 of the plays after that date Oxfordians respond that the annual publication of a new or corrected Shakespeare plays stopped at, in 1604 and that the dedication to the Shakespeare sonnet implies that the author was dead prior to their publication in 1609. Oxfordians believe the reason so many of the late plays shows evidence of the revision and collaboration is because they were completed by other playwrights after Oxford's death. Boom. Whew. Well done, Titty. Well done, boys. I know that was a lot of writing, but I just, I didn't know any other way of getting through, um, you know, there's, well, there's lots of just information that you, we need to like look at and listen to. There's three main dudes and there's three of us. There's three main dudes, so. We are the three main dudes. The so podcast. bearing in mind, they three are the dudes. three main dudes. Three that last dudes. one is the one I'm most into. Uh, yes. Because yeah. that's basically what I was almost getting out at the beginning of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it, that one felt like it had more of a more weight to it didn't it yeah i don't necessarily agree that they were all written by devere no that's like that's kind of saying they're all written by devere and shakespeare took credit because it was like the company or whatever yeah i'm just like well it could have been like in collaboration with shakespeare mm. and devere and whoever and both maybe all maybe of them. maybe all yeah. three of them yeah maybe or other people uh, but it's like the uh, the agreement is when you write a play for the Shakespeare Company, it's under the name of Shakespeare. Yeah, and that and that's what people are getting. You know, they're getting their goats up about. Yeah, you know, and I think goats up. <laughs> I, goats I think about. you know when you look at it this way, did any of them know at the time that four hundred years later they would still be considered some of the greatest plays ever made, and that he is maybe the one of the best authors of all time. They probably didn't. They no. probably didn't think that. Shakespeare was just trying to make some money, trying to make some money for himself, make a name for himself, get some fame. Well, I've heard them before as being considered like they were so popular because they were like so common. Mm. A lot of it was just like they were written for commoners. Yeah. Like uh, they were equivalent of like EastEnders or something. Yeah, and it's the drawing. They were written for the masses. Yeah. They weren't ever considered to be like. And that's how we knew he could make money. He's like, don't make stuff high end, make it for people who can come in and pay some money 
you know, we can make money off more commoners than we can people who well, are high-end. the same things that are popular now. Like, people mm. will flock to go and see comedies. Yeah. He also did historical dramas, which are mega popular. You have things like yeah. uh, like Darkest Hour, Dunkirk. They're like historical dramas. Yeah. War films are historical dramas. So he wrote those, and they're still popular now. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. So... I feel like there's enough there that I. It seems like basically he wrote rom coms, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, uh, although Romeo and Juliet's not very funny, is it? No, that's a tragedy. That's, that's, a, that's the other thing. tragedy. Uh, yeah, we've got him to thank for Meet the Parents. <laughs> <laughs> Dodgeball. <laughs> yeah, um, and uh, and Romeo and Juliet. But it seems Romeo like we're it seems like we're leaning to towards the fact that we know he was an actor. And we know he had share. She had shares in the Globe. Can, can I just ask Tiss? Do you believe he was an actor? You are accepting that bit? I don't know. Didn't really think about that. What? But so just guy, just to help you out, Tiss, anti-Stratfordians and Stratfordians will both, both agree that he was an actor. Will they? Yeah. Then he was an actor. No one agrees that Who he wasn't real. Yeah, no, he was definitely real. Definitely real, and well, he was I definitely an actor. It, I didn't know if it was disputed whether he was an actor. People still dispute it, but mostly scholars from both sides if will, he can't will even agree spell with his that. name. How's he reading the script? Maybe someone dictated to him. I don't know. He can read, but he can't write. But then people say he had a great education. He went to that grammar school that would rival grammar schools today. Because don't forget the the evidence against him going to a grammar school was well, if he did go to a grammar school, it was only for six years. Oh, yeah, six years, so he could have had a decent education. Okay, um, before we close, because I'm wary that we've been going for a while-ish, um, um, I just, there's some 20 minutes about, of this was Tiss cooking. Um, but I just want to look at something, because there's one thing which I, I, I thought was really interesting when I read about uh, De Vere and a bit about Marlowe, where they look at the language they use. Um, and I've, I just, I found this video which talks about... Um, Forensic linguistics, right, and how that comes into play. So it's titled "Did Shakespeare Write His Plays?" But it's a TEDx talk. Okay, so it's one of those short animated videos that they do, which are quite cool. We played them before on the show. Yeah, they're they're quite interesting. So I thought I think we did one on the eschatology. Y- episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we're just gonna we're just gonna look at that now because I feel like there's, you know, forensic linguistics is something which is becoming more and more prominent now, particularly with well, that's how they caught the Unabomber was forensic linguistics. They were able to track who it was by the way he wrote. So my thought was, could you do that with Shakespeare? If there's talk that Edward de Vere's writing is, doesn't match up, it didn't match the way that Shakespeare wrote, you know, could we look into that more? So, but if he used scribes... Yeah, but then is it if? But then it wouldn't have... It still wouldn't have been the people that they... It still wouldn't have been de Vere. So he may have had a scribe, yeah. but it wasn't de Vere because his writing was still so... So different. So we, what they're saying is, if he couldn't write, let's just say for argument's sake, he was illiterate and he couldn't right. write. Even the way he, he wouldn't, was... he wouldn't be able to describe to De Vere how he wanted it to sound. He would only be able to say, "You've got to write." So De Vere wouldn't. So you, you would still get De Vere's interpretation yeah, of you it. You can't tell someone to write. Uh, if I come up with a great story, but I'm like, okay, well, it's brilliant sci-fi story. Yeah. I'm not a very good writer, but Tiss is a great writer. So I'm going to say... It's going to have Tiss's flavour on We're going to sit down, you're going to write it, and I've got this great story, and we're going to collaborate. If Tiss is writing it, no matter how much I describe to him what's happened, it's still going to be written in his style. Yeah, yeah. It's still going to be the way you would write yeah, that. Yeah, so syntax, grammar, yeah, punctuation, exactly. all that stuff is going to be completely different. Cool. I want to see this. So, Let's do it. Um, I'm going to get this 
Some are born great, some achieve greatness, and others have greatness thrust upon them, quoth William Shakespeare. Or did he? Some people question whether Shakespeare really wrote the works that bear his name, or whether he even existed at all. They speculate that Shakespeare was a pseudonym for another writer or a group of writers. Proposed candidates for the real Shakespeare include other famous playwrights, politicians, and even some prominent women. Could it be true that the greatest writer in the English language was as fictional as his plays? Most Shakespeare scholars dismiss these theories based on historical and biographical evidence. But there is another way to test whether Shakespeare's famous lines were actually written by someone else. Linguistics, the study of language, can tell us a great deal about the way we speak and write by examining syntax, grammar, semantics, and vocabulary. And in the late 1800s, a Polish philosopher named Vincenty Lutosławski formalized a method known as stylometry, applying this knowledge to investigate questions of literary authorship. So how does stylometry work? The idea is that each writer's style has certain characteristics that remain fairly uniform among individual works. Examples of characteristics include average sentence length, the arrangement of words, and even the number of occurrences of a particular word. Let's look at use of the word the and visualize it as a dimension or axis. Each of Shakespeare's works can be placed on that axis, like a data point, based on the number of occurrences of that word. In statistics, the tightness of these points gives us what is known as the variance, an expected range for our data. But this is only a single characteristic in a very high-dimensional space. With a clustering tool called Principal Component Analysis, we can reduce the multidimensional space into simple principal components that collectively measure the variance in Shakespeare's works. We can then test the works of our candidates against those principal components. For example, if enough works of Francis Bacon fall within the Shakespearean variance, that would be pretty strong evidence that Francis Bacon and Shakespeare are actually the same person. What did the results show? Well, the stylometrists who carried this out have concluded that Shakespeare is none other than Shakespeare. The bard is the bard. The pretender's works just don't match up with Shakespeare's signature style. However, our intrepid statisticians did find some compelling evidence of collaborations. For instance, one recent study concluded that Shakespeare worked with playwright Christopher Marlowe on Henry VI, parts 1 and 2. Shakespeare's identity is only one of the many problems stylometry can resolve. It can help us determine when a work was written, whether an ancient text is a forgery, whether a student has committed plagiarism, or if that email you just received is of a high priority or spam. And does the timeless poetry of Shakespeare's lines just boil down to numbers and statistics? Not quite. Stylometric analysis may reveal what makes Shakespeare's works structurally distinct, but it cannot capture the beauty of the sentiments and emotions they express, or why they affect us the way they do. At least, not yet. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that, boys? I think exactly what I've been saying from the beginning. Shakespeare's a big collaborator. He's an ideas man. He's not a writer. Yeah. That's my theory, and that's what I'm sticking to. Which doesn't mean that he 
isn't the great mind that we he's thought he was. He's fantastically talented. If he was, he was real. I believe he was real. Like we've already said, like he's real. Um, he can't write jack shit. But he's not. I, I, I feel, I feel somewhat of kinship to him because I always have good ideas, but I can't pull them off. He found a way to pull them off. So good on you, Shakespeare. You're better than me. <laughs> um, <laughs> well. Um, to that to that end, and actually something, I'm going to give you now something which is going to blow your socks off. Yeah, uh, cheers, put some socks on. <laughs> um, but just to, just to um, back up the video, um, BBC published an article in 2016. Okay. Um, at nearly, nearly two years to the day, actually, 24th of October 2016, Christopher Marlowe credited as Shakespeare's co-writer. So it's official now. The Elizabethan playwright Christopher Marlowe is to be credited by Oxford University Press. Wow! As Shakespeare's co-writer and on three of the Bard's plays, he's been suspected in some quarters of having a hand in some of the works. Um, so Henry, Did someone see them sitting in a coffee shop together with a notebook. Yeah, there's a picture, there's a photo of it. <laughs> Famous. Um, <laughs> hand scrolling on a napkin. Yeah. Uh, so the two dramatists will now jointly appear on the title pages for the Henry VI plays in New Oxford Shakespeare. Researchers have verified that the that Marlowe's contribution. Parts of Henry VI. Uh, First on on the I think one and two and then I don't right. know. Um, but it, yeah, he's going to be on yeah three of the plays. Wow. Um, so. Scholars working on New Oxford Shakespeare, a collection of all of Shakespeare's known works, said his collaboration with other playwrights was more extensive than has previously been known. They're saying that it's it's was often um, it was normal for rival writers to collaborate because yeah. they thought well, we're better together. Let's let's do some um, let's do some amazing writing. Yeah, um, yeah. So uh, one guy, Gary Taylor. One of the editors from New Oxford Shakespeare told The Guardian, we have been able to verify Marlowe's presence in those three plays strongly and clearly enough. We can now be confident that they didn't just influence each other, but they worked with each other. Rivals sometimes collaborate. Um, uh, Carol Rutter, sorry, I'm just, this is all stuff which is pretty exciting. Professor of Shakespeare and Performance Studies at um, Warwick University told BBC News, it will still be open for people to make up their own minds. I don't think Oxford University Press putting their brand mark on an attribution settles the issue for everyone. But she added, I believe Shakespeare collaborated with all kinds of people, but I would be very surprised if Marlowe was one of them. So they're not, it's not like accepted by everyone, but by it being accepted by Oxford University Press, that's yeah. big stuff. So there we go, boys. Shakespeare. I thought that's quite exciting. Was a, a collaborator. Yeah. So we, I feel like we've come. We originally joked by saying he never existed. Throughout the episode, we kind of agreed he did exist. And he did write stuff, but he wasn't the writer. No. And that's where I'm falling. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh, so it's parts Henry VI parts 1, 2, and 3. Yeah. So if I now... I wonder if I could now go on Amazon, would I be able to buy it and see that it says... So let's take uh, Henry... I'll put Shakespeare. It's, it's Henry VI. Oh, uh, VI, Henry isn't it? Henry VI, yeah, yeah part, part one. one. two, and three. It would probably be collected in one edition now. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, William Shakespeare, Henry VI. Okay, there's obviously loads of copies because it's a lot on the classic editions, but if I was to find it, I'm sure it's there. It was two years ago. I'm sure they've got published published things now. That So that's the first. I think that's the first of many. It could, it could be. Who knows? That from now on, we see it that he... 
you know, he was a collaborator. He wrote with other people. Who knows? Maybe in a few years' time, we'll see Romeo and Juliet like by I William say, Shakespeare and Francis Bacon. I think he was quite a pushy guy. And I think it's like, you know, you're writing this for me. It's it's the Shakespeare production. Go on, Tiss. Are you not buying any of it, Tiss? Don't know. It was all fun before we got all the facts. Well, now you now you feel like you can't just say Shakespeare wasn't real. Yeah. Oh, have I spoiled it? Nah, on both sides, there's good arguments. But again, no one knows. Because no one knows. How but I think know? it's interesting that up until recently, it's only been historians that have been able to throw throw the, their opinions into the into the centre. But now we've got linguistics experts that have been able yeah. to deduct this, and it's from linguistics that they were able to do that. It's crazy so, to, to be for them to be so sure that he collaborated with Marlowe on that to put Marlowe's name on it. Yeah, they are they they got to be sure. That's a big game changer. That's crazy. Yeah. So yeah, I wonder if they'll discover any other collaborations. He'd. I think that actually you're gonna we're gonna find out that he collaborated on a lot more than just Henry the Sixth. Yeah, and it won't be accepted by everyone. It's like this: the professor from Warwick University. To me, like, well, that's still an anti-strat belief though, because you're saying he didn't write them. Yeah, it's backing up the fact that William Shakespeare isn't all he was cracked up to be. I I really feel like what you He's said not earlier. The bard. Not, not the bard, but I feel like what you said earlier. Was that he was this fantastic ideas man? Yeah. When they when the theatre got a whiff that people would want to actually buy the scripts to to read themselves. Yeah. He's like, mate, I'm gonna need you to write everything I say. And as they acted through them, because obviously they knew the the play off by heart, then they would write it down. And then maybe Christopher Marlowe was writing Henry the First and placed his own writing style in, just mm-hmm. not on purpose, but just because he was writing it. Yeah. I think it's interesting. It's it's. I feel, I feel like that that blew my mind when I yeah. read that yesterday or Thursday. So it's interesting that that's kind of where I was sort of falling at the beginning of the episode, and by the end I was yeah. like, when you said it, I, I was so like, validated. Oh, there you go. If I get a gold star, Bob Shaw cracked it. Yeah, you win the prize. Thanks. But that's that's about it for me. So um, yeah, I, I just want to kind of highlight the. Um, Shakespearean Authorship Trust again so if you want to look into that more then um, please do um, as as always the videos will be on on the website available for you to to watch yourself there's tons of stuff out there and I kind of had to as we do with all this all these episodes he's separating the the proper stuff from from think which from speculation I guess there's a lot of speculation out there yeah uh, but hopefully this is kind of wet your whistle and maybe you might want to go away after listening to this episode and Look at do a bit of research yourself. Yeah. So, yeah. there we go. There we go. And I also want to say, like, at the beginning of the episode, I said it was an email from a listener that, that sparked us thinking maybe we could give us a proper look. So, obviously, mm-hmm. um, listener of the week goes listener to him. Uh, so, that's from Les Bills. Amazing. Thanks very much. Who's sick of pain. He wants less bills. <laughs> 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 that is terrible. That is terrible. I hope it's actually, Les Bills could be a woman or a man. It could be Leslie, which is unisex, isn't it? We find out. Yeah. We should make this non-gender as we're talking. Like, so thanks, okay. Les, for your. So thanks, Les. Um, listener of the week. Thanks for re-sparking our uh, interest in the fake spear conspiracy. Listener of the week. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Do you fall on strat or anti-strat, Tiss? Or collabora strat? 
Anti strat. Calabra strat is anti strat to me. Anti strat, yeah. I guess so. But you're not really anti Shakespeare, are you? No, I'm anti, anti right. He wrote them. Pro the truth. Yeah, pro truth. Okay. Pro truth. If he did write them, then cool. But if, if he did collaborate, then. I feel like if we make these strat or anti strat t shirts, no one's going to buy the strat because it's more funny to have anti strat. Yeah. But I'll, I'll put the options up there. You want Calabra strat or anti strat? What's the crack with Christopher, Mar- uh, Christopher Marlowe's family? Will he get a cut now? That's interesting. I wonder Anyways. if he will. Guess so. By the way, it's interesting that right. That's another thing Rachel mentioned that he died with like no money, Marlowe, like very little. And he wrote. So Shakespeare, Henry. but no, through no. If they wrote together, they're not going to be like right. They're not going to hate each other. Mm. It just so happens that Shakespeare knew how to make money and Marlowe didn't. Yeah. It's like Bill Gates and Steve Jobs. Bill Gates took the idea. Yeah. And Do you mean Steve Jobs and the... What, Web, Web, Webzik? Wozniak. Wozniak. No. You do. You do, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> they, do. they both created two different things. Maybe. Yeah. No, Bill Gates stole Steve Jobs' but, no, operating Steve, system. Oh, that is a theory. No, it's not for It's true. <laughs> Not Are you huge. talking about when they made the Apple operating system basically on Windows? Yeah. Yeah, but it sucked. No, no. That's I th- what, it makes it, if you if you stick to the the Wobsy and and Jobs thing, it's, it works much better. Okay, well, you say Wobsy, yeah. but Bill Gates stole the OS because from like me. basically Wobs made it. Wheel or Wobs, but Jobs Wobs or Jobs. <laughs> What was your jobs? What was your jobs? But yeah. Jobs was like the better like showman, so he basically just got all the credit. I'm gasping for a coffee, I've got like Okay. Uh, okay, well Tiss is gone. <laughs> I'll close up the episode. If you want to get in contact with us, you can do so directly at the email unexplainableuk at mail.com or through the website under uh, through the website weirdtales and the unexplainable.com where you can also uh, find uh, information page of all the stuff we mentioned today links to things you can uh, donate to the show if you want to help us out uh, you can also leave a rating review on iTunes to help us out you can even hear the kettle he's getting the kettle going already <laughs> you can uh, find links to our social media accounts you can buy merch and talking of merch uh, we're getting a new t-shirt up to celebrate uh, us finally tackling the fake spirit uh, topic uh, which I can't describe right now because as we're recording, it's currently being designed. But it's going to be a good one. So get on there and get your uh, fake spear t-shirt, 400 Years of Lies. Yeah. And I don't know, we might do the anti-strat strat thing. I think, why not? It'd be quite fun. Hashtag anti-strat. Yeah, strat or anti-strat at the bottom. So get them. And also soon we're going to be re-releasing the Christmas design from last year when December rolls in or the last week of November or whatever, soon the Christmas design's going to be back. Um, also, I need to get in contact. I don't, I, I'm sort of talking to beef with this, but um, T Public now have um, production oh, in the within UK. the UK. So hopefully UK people, if you've been holding back on getting Weird Tales merch because of the shipping costs, we're still getting the T Public quality, but they've got a, a UK production uh, place now, so you coffee, won't have the extravagant uh, import costs. What coffee is it? Standard. Just standard fucking um, coffee. I'll have another tea if that's all right. A tea? Yeah, I'll I'll have a coffee. Coffee, yeah. A cup, yeah. cup of coffee. A CBD coffee or just coffee? What's a CBD coffee? CBD is just like 
the natural thing in um, hemp. No, I'll have a normal coffee. Healthy. <laughs> Doesn't get you high. I'll have a normal coffee with one sugar and milk, please. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to leave that in. <laughs> yeah. As you can see, Tiss has just left. He's making coffees. Um, so, uh, is there anything else you need to say? Don't think so. No, this is. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, there's going to be some more episodes. Whatever. Room Bristol. Yeah. See you later. <laughs> Until next time. Shakespeare, you later. Shakespeare, you later. That's rubbish. Thanks, guys. Love you. Bye. I really hope this is going to work. Mate, I'm no pressure, but this has been like a long time coming. I know, I know, I'm really nervous now. Right, I think what I'm going to do is, I'll, yeah. What's he, what are you putting in the oven? What are you putting in the oven? Really? What? Have you had breakfast? Uh, nah. Meatballs. Mate, you can't call them meatballs. Okay. Call it a soy ball. Fucking soy boy. Meat is like an adjective. Uh, I'll put it down here. Soy boy. Just put it on there. Keep me away from those strat thoughts. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.